Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to this week's edition of the Value Line Observer. Um, we're the Value Guys. I'm Vern Value. I'm Val Hughes. Get it? And uh, this week we're going to review. Yeah, yeah, we we all got it. I think we get it. Uh, we're we're going to review the March 24th today's issue, in other words, of uh, Value Line Investment Survey. New stocks updated in uh, this week's issue. A variety of different uh, fascinating industry sectors here. Um, you know, I don't know about fascinating. It's a little better selection than what we had. To work well, we with brought last some week. food with us this week uh, to enjoy during the show, <laughs> if that tells you anything. Before and during our beverage breaks, oh. I guess. Oh. Um, just to uh, review for uh, those of you who might be joining us for the first time, uh, Vern and uh, Val. Val and I are a couple uh, seasoned. Is a term Very I seasoned. like to use. How about battered? How about seasoned? Uh, <laughs> Not battered. Beat up. Uh, oh, it's a oh, long career. I mean. I a lot of meant, stocks. You know, instead of seasoning, we had bad. Uh, Wall Street professionals that, uh, you know, for fun, like to get together and uh, uh, talk stocks and uh, look at what value lines recommending. And uh, we've, uh, uh, we're using this forum to share our observations with you. We'd welcome you to visit our website, learn more about us, www.thevalueguys.com. Uh, and I need to tell you that... Uh, as we do every week, remind you that we may or may not own any of the stocks we talk about, and we don't take any responsibility for anything that happens to you if you own them or don't own them. Um, and with that, I think we'll we, you know we'll get started here. Uh, Val's going to go first. Um, you know we like to alternate week to week, uh, and then I'm going to come back and talk about some aerospace and defense industry. But uh, first, we'll see what uh, we'll see what Val sees in this week's issue. That looks interesting. Well, thanks, Vern. You know one of the things we like is we like. Uh, trends that can be predicted and of course if you turn on CNBC it looks like everything's in chaos all the time and you have to urgently do something immediately well there's some things that happen very predictably and very slowly it's called demographics it's happening right now and no one seems panicked since the markets closed uh, but, but wait till Lou Dobbs finds right out about exactly it. he'll be on that but uh, this week they they're looking at a couple of industries that benefit from this wind at your back and it's always good to have wind at your back I think uh, Unless you have a skin disease of some sort, I'm sure that wouldn't be as good. But in any case, in the stock market, it's good. And so uh, this week, we've got medical services. Uh, used to be called uh, health care, uh, but now it's medical services. And also health uh, care information uh, services. And <clears throat> over the years, I've covered stocks in both of these groups, although I don't uh, currently cover them very closely. I do own a couple of these, and uh, and the thing I like is uh, the wind at your back. Let me let me just take uh, jump in here to the medical services industry. I'd note that uh, Value Line calls it dark days for the medical services industry, and I'm like, oh my God, dark days! You know, the biggest increase in demand in history is just around the corner, and boy, it's surely dark days. <laughs> Too bad people aren't getting sick anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the reason you have dark days, of course, according to these guys, is that uh, costs have traditionally been uh, uh, rising at unsustainable rates. They continue to do so. Everyone seems mystified by, by this, but uh, the value guys have a, have a theory, uh, or Val does. I don't know if uh, Vern's in on it. But uh, no, I, Are I, you I'm, in on it? No, I'm mystified, okay, actually. Okay, he's mystified. So I can't wait to well, hear the Well, okay. Here we have uh, this thing called capitalism, and the thing that makes capitalism work magically is the invisible hand of people like us, consumers, seeking the best quality at the best price, or 
seeking the best price for the best quality. And therefore, when you're out shopping for a car or a house or food or all the other major components of consumer expenditures, you're able to have some information on which to base these decisions. Certainly, you know the price since it's generally on the label. And with the help of uh, various uh, publications, including Consumer Reports, which is fabulous, uh, you can get some idea of quality, or you can uh, ask your friends or read about it in uh, a magazine or what have you. Well, in healthcare, uh, which everyone seems to think is out of control because it's such a big piece of uh, GDP, I just note that uh, housing's a 15% piece of GDP. No one uh, thinks that's particularly out of control, particularly if you own a house. Uh, food is about the same level. No one thinks food's out of control. Transportation. Uh, so why health care? And I would submit that it's because we don't have information about quality and price. And what the government, in my opinion, should be worrying about is getting consumers information about quality and price. Consumer Reports should start a magazine to dig into this so consumers could make informed choices. Anyway, that, that's, I'm getting off my soapbox. There's a couple stocks in the medical services industry this week I just draw your attention to. The first one's a big, ugly company called HCA, Hospital Corp of America, page 638 this week. Uh, the hospital industry is under pressure because Medicare uh, is cutting back on some reimbursement, uh, bad debt. You know, hospitals have a duty to serve all comers, and so some of those people, once they figure out there's no penalty for not paying, they uh, increase their uh, not paying. So well, and, bad and, debt. And the hospitals don't have a good natural uh, constituency to stick up for them, a political constituency. There well, right. Voters in the administration. Right, it's hard hospital, to be against sick people, so, and I'm not either, but, you know, bad debt's a concern here. They, they run it, you know, in the, in the teens, low teens on bad debt. But HCA is the largest hospital company in America. They have 180 general hospitals, 43,000 beds. They're mostly in the southeast and Texas. These are growing population areas if uh, unit growth at a hospital is important. And uh, the thing that I'm attracted to is not only the demographics we've talked about, but this particular company sells at a 20% you know, discount to the S&P PE. They're trading right now at about six or seven times cash flow. Their balance sheet is not great, but 58% debt to capital with stable uh, operating results are, I think, are well uh, within reason. Uh, returns on capital are in the low teens, 10, 11%, and uh, return on equity with a bit of leverage is in the mid-20s. So uh, they are in some urban markets, which you know generally don't have as good a characteristics as suburban, but it appears that... Uh, price hikes in the business are, which a few years ago didn't look sustainable, are sticking. Uh, quarterly earnings growth has been very consistent. And uh, while Value Line has it rated four, which is why I'd make a point to comment on it, uh, the analyst apparently thinks it's worth a look. So it's worth a look, but then it's at a four. So, but I like this one. Six times cash flow, uh, wind at their back. There's some problems with debt and such that the analysts want to write about in terms of near term. But something like this, look out a couple of years. HCA has some great properties, good geography, and I think this is an easy one to just put away and uh, and, and wake up one day and it's up a lot. Uh, second one in this area, I'd call your attention to Apria Healthcare, uh, ticker AHG. Value line rates this a five. Uh, again, some of the characteristics the value guys like. It's about, uh, you know, four times cash flow. It's a 30% discount to the S&P. This is uh, page 632. Now, what do these guys do? Well, here's the problem. 
They are the largest provider and manager of comprehensive integrated home care services. Home care is under a lot of pressure from Medicare, Medicaid, and uh, or CMS is the big monolith in Washington that is called that handles all this stuff. And their biggest area is called respiratory therapy, which is oxygen and taking care of all that with people at home. Obviously, people need oxygen. I mean, I'm not a doctor. I even I know that. But the Medicare is uh, cutting reimbursements. And so if you look at the chart here, the stock fell from 36 to 22. It looks like one day last fall because Medicare cut these reimbursements. And all the quarterly earnings estimates from the analysts, you know, went from a peak of 60 cents a share per quarter to now, you know, 40 cents a share per quarter. So that's a 33% cut and the stock went down, guess what, 33%. 33%. But, uh, you know, this is not going to be a sustainable situation. The other thing that's hurting the company is a couple of big acquisitions to get better economies of scale, again, in preparation for the big wave of older people, sadly, including uh, Vern and I, that are going to be coming down the pipe here. And I think the street is completely uh, uh, ignoring that. They're 50%. Well, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to point out that more and more, I mean, in terms of what patients want, they want to be treated at home. Well, it's cheaper uh, at home. You don't have the hospital expense and things like that. Yeah, and so you prefer you, to be you, in your you've home. You've got like double, triple. You don't just have wind at your back here. It's a near, nearly a gale. You do have you have that. And, you know, Mom, there's better food at home. I think ultimately demographics here are going to trump this near-term uh, slow down due to these uh, Medicare reimbursement changes and historically these things recover uh, Medicare cuts something two years from now they raise something the stock is five times earnings uh, and uh, you know there there's a there's a few there's only a few insider transactions recently but they've both been buys value line ha assumes a four and a half percent cash flow growth here which I would suggest is low but even if it isn't on an earnings yield basis I'm getting about a 15% earnings yield return plus the 4.5% uh, cash flow growth here. So theoretically, I'm looking at a 20% return in home health care. Guess what? The oldest baby boomers right now, the oldest baby boomers, there's a huge wave, are 61. So tick, tick, tick. Uh, I think people who need oxygen at home are going to be calling these guys up, and it's five times cash flow. A uh, couple other quick ones. I'm moving to the healthcare information uh, services area. And uh, what is healthcare information services? Well, the healthcare community, because of the dominance, is this trying to come up with some of that price and value information. Well, I think so, but uh, they they couch it in terms of helping the doctors get more organized with their information. Healthcare is a very doctor-centric system, as you might imagine, and so what the doctors want, they get, and uh, they're pressed to do things. But information systems, this industry is 20 years behind Detroit. And so, uh, you know, but they, the doctors don't have competition from Asia. So they're able to live in a world where uh, there's inefficiency, but because of that lack of price and quality information, consumers don't exactly know it. You can't price shop, so there hasn't been uh, incentives to cut costs. But now with Medicare, Medicaid coming in big time with cost reduction efforts, with the baby boom looming on the horizon, now's the time everybody's got to get uh, efficient. And so this industry is really worth a look. Now, a lot of stuff in here is pretty expensive. So I only found a couple of things, uh, one of which I just I own. It's called IMS Health. 
Uh, it uh, doesn't exactly relate to the baby boom. It's, it's an information services company. It used to be part of Dun & Bradstreet, and basically they track market shares of pharmaceuticals. The company's been under pressure because of big, uh, you know, acquisitions, mergers and, act and mer M&A activity, and so they lose clients. Uh, the FDA has been slow to approve new drugs, so there's not a big drug flow. So the stock's been under pressure. Right now it's at a market multiple. It trades just over 10 times cash flow. This is about the safest stock in healthcare. There's absolutely no risk to this thing whatsoever. They have a little bit of debt, well, 60% debt to capital, but that drives uh, pretty high returns on equity, you know, over 40%, and they're running 20% uh, return on capital. That's in an impaired year. So this is one you can just put away. It's very high quality. They have almost no competition. It's a big monopoly in healthcare providing services. It's slow growth, very safe. The market's, at <clears throat> some point, the market will rotate into defensive yeah, you know, something uh, like that will be up a quarter or exactly. something. Exactly. This isn't a huge, you know, it's not jumping next quarter, but it's a put away stock, basically. And and then finally, and then I'll turn it over to Vern, this stock, uh, again, Healthcare Information Services, I don't know anything about this. I'm looking at it really just for the first time today. It's called Per Se Tech, ticker P-S-T-I-I. It's on page 664. They rated a three. The stock's had a good chart, which I don't tend to like. You know, it looks too good, like it's going to come down. But it's ten times cash flow. So that attracts me. Now, what do they do? They provide information systems to uh, physician groups. Well, one of the things that's well, happening... Do they, do, they, do they provide the system per se, or...? Uh, no, they actually provide it. They Per se actually <laughs> provides it. What, what's with the name of this company? Um, you know, per se technologies? Per se. Maybe it's French or something. Let's I... see. Uh, Georgia. Alpharetta, Georgia. Uh, telephone here, but I, I, don't, know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I'm, I'm trying not what to a, have a bias. A name. If it, yeah, I, 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 I don't like this yeah, name okay. either. So we're voting to rename the company. <laughs> Maybe if it gets renamed into uh, excellent technology company, it could pick up a couple of multiple points and go up. Go. But right now, it's trading at a premium on a PE basis. I don't like that. But it's ten times cash flow. Little, little less than that. Here's what they do. Uh, they provide the administrative software that provides the administrative functions to physicians groups, hospitals, and pharmacies. Well, with all this focus on cost cutting, uh, that's important. The other trend you're going to have is hospitals are being impaired a little bit. I know I recommended HCA, and I think that's a fine recommendation. Uh, they're well run. But hospitals in general are under pressure from physicians who are leaving to start specialty hospitals uh, that do one thing well, don't have the legacy problems, and guess what? They own a part of it. And that's been hard for the government to stop because as soon as the government wants to prevent physicians from moving somewhere, that begs the question for the government to ask as to why are hospitals and physicians charging so much. So we don't really want to get into all of that. But I think physicians starting their own business is a growth business as they move away from hospitals. And these guys help manage uh, their practices. They've got a uh, couple, about 22% earnings growth value lines predicting for next year. They've got 22% uh, returns on equity. They've got mid-20s operating margins, less than 10 times cash flow. Uh, they've made a bunch of acquisitions recently that have curtailed their returns on capital from what they once were. I think this is just a, a period of absorbing those and digesting them until they uh, basically do some cross-selling and uh, and uh, uh, earn their return on that. So, uh, you know, I don't know much about it. They've, they've had some sellers, but it appears that that's because 27% uh, of the stock here is still owned by officers and insiders. Fidelity owns 15%. And uh, they are 
appears to be uh, committed to debt paydowns over the next few years. They've got pretty decent cash flow. So, you know, this is one that just paging through value line looks interesting in a sector that I think has great fundamentals, but it's hard to find a good value. Well, and that's and, all and, I am. And with all the pressure on, uh, as you point out, with all the pressure on physicians um, and productivity in the entire system, um, a lot of people don't realize with the incredible paperwork burden that uh, these guys and well, women that's a very face that um, I, you know, you're, you're talking about being able to add uh, revenue generating capacity to a business if you can cut down on the amount of investment that has to be made in, in simply processing all the paperwork. So That's exactly uh, right. I mean, the less time the doctor's filling out a form, the more time he's seeing a patient. Yeah, and at the margin, you'd also like him to sleep a little bit if he's working on you or anyone that you know. <laughs> uh, this is, uh, it's Auvern now. Yes. It, that's me, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> Vern, right. Vern, Vern's going to... We're gonna, we don't talk much about our secret identities. We're going but, to uh, uh, we're gonna shift gears slightly. Uh, a related industry. Uh, industry what about that, our beverage break? Oh, uh, beverage break. Vern. Time for a beverage yeah. break. Uh, okay. I've got uh, a closely related industry to look at. Um, Generates a lot of customers for the industries you were talking about. Um, aerospace and defense. Taxi cab driver. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Excellent. Uh, and where um, there's um, several uh, one and two rated stocks uh, from Value Line this week. So, I, you know, naturally want to start with the idea of uh, heartily endorsing something that Value Line has picked out as uh, very a attractive. Oh. And um, I'm, uh, I, may, I may struggle with that a little bit. <laughs> Uh, the first one I looked at is at the actually the bottom of the list in the industry, United Industrial. Never heard of this. Um, Value Line just raised the rating in this issue to a one, so it's you know the most timely stock Hot recommendation the they can make. Six hundred million market cap. Uh, what designer and manufacturer of simulation simulation systems. Uh, mechanical support systems it does say unmanned aerial vehicle platform. So I don't know if a platform is the same thing as a UAV, but that's a hot area. But a variety of of hardware basically for aerospace and defense. Uh, the stock at fifty four dollars recently is essentially at its all time high. The PE is uh, pushing eighteen. It's a little bit of a discount to the market, but if you look at the history of this company, it's traditionally been more like a 12 to 14 times stock. Um, there's uh, uh, interesting uh, return on capital and uh, margin um, profile here. But as I kind of took a close look, as I always do, at return on capital numbers, if they've suddenly gotten a lot larger than they were historically, and, and they have at this company, uh, Value Line's predicting or forecasting like 25% numbers currently. Uh, numbers in the late 90s were under 10 percent, and uh, it, it it appears and, and sort of substantiated by the little footnotes at the bottom of the page that uh, a huge decline in shareholders' equity in 2002 related to some business that they discontinued. Now, there's no detail here about it, but there's a huge charge documented for 2002. I see equity goes from uh, 120 to 47. Seven, yeah, and down the footnote says there's a three dollar and thirteen cent. Um, Loss from discontinued ops in 02. 
Uh, there was another big number in 03, so shareholders' equity actually didn't bottom out until Well, that's the problem with some of these high-return companies is the, the, the mistake management made is buried in the past. So yeah. these 10-year charts on value line are very valuable to look through. Now, there's some other interesting things about this. I mean, they, they're showing 83% of capital being debt, but as I look a little more closely, I see $77 million of cash and $120-some million of debt. So... Really, the uh, financial leverage is overstated. According to Value Line, they've had a big run on orders here. Uh, they've got some business they're thinking about selling. But, um, I mean, this thing is uh, north of 10 times record cash flow per share. And if you look back over the history, I mean, we're at levels now that have never been seen before. Uh, the stock obviously reflects this, uh, this acceleration in recent order activity. Net profit margins also at a record. Um, as I said before, the return profile not really, uh, not really real, uh, and even value line here says that uh, the stock's up a lot since December. Currently trading at the low end of its 2009 to 2011 target price range, and then goes on to say, but they might buy some stuff and get bigger that way. Well, I, I got hmm. news for you, folks. Uh, well over half of acquisitions, particularly for public companies, end up destroying value. So. I, I got a real, I got a real hard time uh, understanding what in the world value line is attracted to here, except the price momentum. So, well, the, I, it, stay it, away I, from United Industrial. Um, I got another number one here, AAR Corp, a billion dollar uh, supplier of aftermarket products and services, including uh, MRO uh, repairs of aircraft components. Um, this one, uh, you know, financial leverage is moderate. Uh, the stock's 27 bucks. It's up from under $3 a few years ago. Darn near went out of business, I guess. Um, is trading at a pretty healthy PE. Of, they're showing a 37-some percent premium to market. Um, 13 to 14 times cash flow. Um, you know, the financial leverage is supposedly going to decline further, but I, they're showing a huge increase in working capital necessary to grow this business, which makes sense. It's a distributor. So um, a return on capital is going to recover to almost 10% in a couple years. I, you know, they talk in the text about big capital spending programs. Um, they think the market's going to expand a lot in coming quarters, but somehow that's not already captured in a stock that, as they point out, was up over 70% in 2005. Um, and, you know, same thing here. Well, it was one I, uh, a few years ago. You know, because I found myself on United looking at where did, the, you know, what was going on with the return on capital. Take a look at the same thing here. And I've got big charges again around the time 2001, 2002. That well, and that didn't even help their returns very much. You know, well, not that much. But nevertheless, even at these crummy levels, kind of inflated. So I, I compare that to uh, another company that I'm familiar with in this space, Avial. Um, so the AAR has ticker AIR, as in air you breathe. AVL is ticker AVL. Similar size, 1.3 billion market cap. This is the world's largest independent distributor of new aviation parts and supplies, according to Value Line. Um, this one at 38 and a half bucks is a 21 PE instead of 26. It's an 8% premium to market instead of 37%. Neither one pay a dividend. Um, it's got better than 10% uh, sales growth forecast, just like AAR. It's around the same 13 times cash flow. I can't get real excited about that. Um, but I got a return on uh, total capital number around 10%, and without any um, you know disastrous charges in its history to uh, 
help inflate the number. Um, there's some discussion here in the uh, about the stock uh, benefiting recently from a big 10-year uh, agreement with Smith's Aerospace for aftermarket distribution, uh, which clearly is adding visibility to the story. So that's good quality. The, you know, my observation about the lack of charges and uh, a reasonable-looking return on capital speaks to quality. And value line on somehow that but doesn't like this one compared to AAR and specifically singles out high degree of leverage. So, you know, let me do, let me do you all a favor here and help you understand that this is a much more attractive stock than AAR because this this concern about leverage is a phantom issue. If I look at the um, at the information about capital structure, they got a couple hundred million dollars in debt. So, figure less than 20 million dollar annual interest bill. Uh, how well do I cover that with my pre-tax earnings? Well, I've got an operating margin that Value Line says is around 10% on total revenue of a billion and a half or more. So I got 150 million of EBIT. I've got 30, 30 million, of 30 million <clears throat> or so of depreciation according to uh, to Value Line. So EBITDA 180 million plus versus less than 20. I mean, I got 10 times coverage of interest here. There's nothing to be. That's kidding. the one they're worried about. I, this is the one they're worried about. It makes absolutely no sense. So, and then they go on to say. Investors look to enter now or likely late to the party. The run-up, um, the stock's up like uh, 20% in the last, up nearly 25% in the last three months. Well, that's on this most recent news, but it, you know it's nothing like the, uh, uh, the you know the spike that you've got in AAR. So it's same analyst on both. Uh, that's sides. what's so bizarre about it. For some reason, he likes one, doesn't like the other, and he's trying to invent a reason for why he doesn't like the higher quality less expensive names. So if uh, if you're thinking this is an interesting space, and actually it makes sense that it would be in a good economy, um, Avial is the name to go with there. Um, also then looking for a two, um, found a name that, that, that um, you know people need to recognize, metal fabricating, or I'm sorry, in the steel and general industry, carpenter technologies, you know this aerospace boom that has been priced into a lot of these stocks, is showing up in a lot of other places as well. This is a stock that Value Line rates a two. They recently raised it to that recommendation, uh, even though the stock is, according to them, up threefold in the last two years, 2.3 billion market cap. I'm looking at insider decisions over the last 12 months. Just, you know, I can't even, I don't have that many fingers and toes to add up the number of sellers, no buyers. Um, we've got uh, a stock price. That is uh, well north. I mean, it's approaching two times sales, and the his history on this name is uh, more like uh, less than one times sales. We're at ten times record cash flow, um, with capital spending at like I don't know one fifth to one tenth of what apparently used to be required in the business model. What's hmm. this company do? They sell stainless steels and other alloys with a lot of it going to aerospace where demand's booming, commodity prices are up. Uh, according to Value Line, they've been able to double the prices of some of their products and pass along increased energy costs. In other words, folks, I, nothing could be going better really for our friends at Carpenter Technology these days. Um, and uh, Value Line goes on to mention that uh, the steel industry has been ripe with speculation of continued M&A, which is indeed, I, I, I'd support that. There's been a number of transaction metals 
industry over the last two years. So what they're saying is they think there's a speculative premium in this stock, which is currently at an all-time high. I, it makes absolutely no sense either. Now, on the other hand, there's a little gem here that they're kind of missing. And that's, uh, um, I, you know, how do you pronounce that? Bombardier? That's how I pronounce it. Uh, I pronounce I, it Bombardier I, Inc. I, B. I, I think it's actually Bombardier. Now, this is a... Uh, this is a Canadian stock, trades on the Toronto Exchange, Canadian company, aircraft manufacturer. You know, looking at the way they've got the symbol here, I kind of get the feeling that it might be on the same, you know, it might be the equivalent. Toronto. It might be a bulletin board stock in Toronto. But it's got a $5 billion market cap, uh, pretty highly leveraged. This company, 50% of their uh, revenue, 75% of operating profit is business and commuter aircraft. <clears throat> Including uh, regional jets, which you may have flown. We fly on. on those things all the time. The other half They're of the company. The other half of the company is rail cars and uh, uh, locomotives. I think I don't know rail cars. Rail's for sure. pretty hot. Rail's the hot. The PE is uh, looks real high at twenty nine times, but the stock's under three dollars. I think these are Canadian. Um, cash flow per share fifty cents. Hmm. And and that's well below prior cyclical highs. And, and value line saying basically the fundamentals right now aren't real good in the regional jet business. Apparently Bombardier's sold a lot of their, their product to U.S. Airways, Delta, and Northwest. Well, there's coming, something None coming in air taxis. People need to watch. There's a whole new fleet of planes coming that are more Exactly. And, ah. there's, there's, uh, and they're also doing very well then on the business jet side of the business, which is what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and maybe at the high end of the taxi business, you'd be in small regional jets. So, But anyway, my point is that Value line saying things look like they're kind of at a bottom here. The stock's way down. I mean, it's one-tenth of its high back in 2000. We're 30% uh, of revenue per share. Um, and revenue per share, mind you, is like 60% below peak. Cash flow per share under six times balance sheet a what scary. looks like a sustainable scary number. Scary balance sheet. Well, I agree with that. And so took a, look, a little closer look at it. $6.8 of debt. Figure um, um, with, uh, there's some uh, preferred stock here that has a dividend. So all in, figure about $700 million maybe of fixed expenses. And uh, I can tote up about a billion four of EBITDA at what appears to be a very stressed performance level for the company that may not have upside for a while, but uh, looks to me, folks, like you'd be getting this thing at the bottom. And the thing that really, uh, as I started to, Try and assimilate, you know, a, a worse outlook for regional aircraft, a better outlook for business jet. I'm reminded that half of the company is rail car, which isn't even mentioned in the value line write-up, but clearly would be a big piece of sustaining things at the bottom. Well, you're going to help them. There's a here. lot of money going into mass transit, both in in this country and in Europe right now. So, I, I actually they rate this a three. I think this is a very interesting name. Hmm. Um, we'll probably uh, do a little more work myself and think about buying it. Uh, so take a look at Bombardier. Interesting, Vern. And uh, with that, I think we're uh, we're ready to wrap up uh, this week's uh, edition of the Value Line Observer, March 24, 2006. Uh, Value Line Investment Survey is what we went through. This has been uh, Vern Value. Actually, and this is Vern Value, and it has been Vern Value. And it will continue. And it will to continue be. to be. Vern Value. Value is my last name. That's right. And, and uh, my name is Val Hughes, and Value's not in my name, or is it? <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we'll say aloha. Aloha.